why not start today? Why not start discovering now why he's faithful, why he's trustworthy, why he's good, why he's in control? Why not start today so that when, if and when suffering should come, or if and when things that you don't expect happens in your story, that you've already prepared your heart because you know who you belong to. Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and you are listening to the Hello Mornings podcast, where it's our goal to help you begin and build a life-changing morning routine. Now, each episode of this show is designed to help you grow in one of the three key areas of a great morning routine, and those are God time, plan time, and move time. If you're not familiar with Hello Mornings, I would love to help you get started with a wonderful morning routine. You can head to hellomornings.org and download our three-minute morning kit. It'll help you begin a simple morning routine that can change everything, yes, in just three minutes. Now, today we're talking with author and artist Ruth Jo Simons of gracelaced.com. You're probably already familiar with her. If not, you're going to absolutely love getting to know her. And if you already know her, you're just going to want to dive into this episode. We're talking about how knowing God's character can help us in the midst of life's journey. Let's dive in. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for being on the Hello Mornings podcast. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Well, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. You know, we have just started doing this in video as well. So those of you listening to the podcast, I want you to head over to YouTube and watch the video version as well, because you need to see Ruth's background. It's not <laughs> like mine. I'm sitting in a closet and Ruth is sitting basically in one of her paintings, I would say. It's, <sighs> it's beautiful. I've got blinds down. I've got screens down. So you don't even see a clear picture of it. But yes, it's like the Colorado mountains behind me. We've got, we're on some acreage. So you just don't, there's no one out there. So you could just see miles and miles away. So yes, it's kind of like a zoom background, but real. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I am not artistic, but I'm pretty sure I would be an awesome painter as well if I had that for my background. Well, you know, Kat, I... Thank you. And and honestly, just to that point, I would say I really do choose to be in environments like this so that I actually feel more inspired and I don't get so amazed at my own work all the time. I I have like like a worshipful heart as I try to paint, you know. So thanks for saying that about the environment because it's pretty intentional. Okay. I actually like that. Can I push in on that for just a second? Yeah, just do. How do you cultivate, like what, what are some of the choices that you made about the environment that you live in? Not just physically, just the, the actual situation and, and home and acreage that you yeah. live on, but what are some of the intentional decisions that you've made to help you do the thing that God has called you to do in creating art? Yeah. When I started painting and writing books and when I started my company, Grace Lace, all of that was done from a very well-loved, smaller home on a smaller neighborhood plot of land. And I'm, you know, I'm talking like a backyard, right? And it was, it, it was all good. And we loved our place in the city. But what I found a lot of times, besides just the logistics of like running a business from your property in your home, I just found that I was constantly obsessed with that. Obsessed is too strong of a word. I was really focused and always aware of the hustle I was in. I was always aware of like the work, the producing, because all I could see constantly everywhere I looked was the work of my own hands. How much, how far I'm getting with it, how many packages we're sending out, what we're doing. And it just kept me pretty focused on what I can 
do with my own hands. And so when we had the opportunity, and and I do feel blessed because it's not like everyone has an opportunity to go and move to the mountains if they want to. And I understand that we, when we became self-employed, we had the opportunity. So I am grateful for that. But when we had a choice, we kind of just said, okay, I think raising six boys. I'm a mama to six boys and my oldest is 21. My youngest is 10. And so almost seven years ago, we had an opportunity to be full-time working together and as a family. And we decided to kind of be not off grid. We're just on 49 acres and we're in the mountains and we're not in an, we're not in a location where anybody does what I do. So it's not like moving to an area where suddenly I know lots of people who are connected on social media, lots of people who are in the Christian authoring industry. In fact, it's kind of a pain to do some of the work that I'm doing from here, but it helps me guard my heart so that I'm actually really involved locally. My local church is small and I am very invested in the people here locally and they're not famous. They're not on Instagram. They're not any of those things. And for me as an artist, I get to take breaks every day to make sure that my eyes are on God's creation. So I'm more in awe of him than I am of myself because I hate admitting this at the top of our interview, Kat, but it's really easy to be really impressed with yourself when you're in a product, when you're like somebody who produces things, you know, Mm -hmm. if you write a best-selling book, if you're creating artwork that everybody buys, it's so easy to be like, it's all about me. I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to achieve my goals when really God wants me to keep my eyes on him, which we're actually talking about more today here, even in this conversation, but it's really from my heart. It's truly like, this is the only way I know I can run my race long-term is if I don't only look at how can I get ahead on the next step, but to be like, okay, what do I need to do? How much do I need to be off my phone? How many walks do I need to take? What do, how do I want to spend my weekends? How can I be in awe of him when everything in this world is say, be in awe of yourself? So that's the long answer to that question. I love that. And you know what? You, you you said not everybody can live on acreage, which is true. But you being able to do that blesses us because it keeps your eyes focused on him and allows you to be creative, allows you to create the art that you make. And in, in this new book, Pilgrim, as I was reading it, I... I don't know if I, at first I realized just how much art was intertwined in it. And, and as I was reading, I was like, wow, I guess it's been since I was little that I really read like a picture book, like, or mm-hmm. really just, I don't know, really was so enthralled by it, quite frankly. And oh, as you. I was reading, I was like, oh, this, just, it just felt so just the mixture of artwork and hymns and your beautiful writing. It just, it, well, one, it felt like you, it just felt very peaceful. It felt grounded. It felt like it was pointing me to Jesus in just a very grace-filled way. And because you have that space, because you have that land, because you're able to put your eyes on Jesus, it allows you to create the work that blesses us as well. So we're, we're all beneficiaries of the acreage and we Thank get the you. view in these little square boxes on yes. the podcast, you know? So I love it. What, what exactly led you to write this book? Yeah. Well, I have a soft spot in my heart for this type of book. In fact, I think my first book, Grace Lays, kind of inaugurated a a certain kind of full color artistic devotional. So I knew I wanted to do a full color devotional, but truth be told, a couple of years ago, I mean, anytime you read a book, you know, it's actually two or three years ago that I started it and it's been, you know, two years in the making. And 
at the time that I started this book or conceptualized this book, we were actually walking through as a family, a pretty difficult season of trying to discern the transitions that were coming upon us, like launching kids, you know, a little bit about that, you know, sending kids to college, thinking through next steps, what's the best for our children, educationally, community wise, we were in a new community because like I said, we moved to Colorado almost seven years ago. And, um, a couple of years ago when I started Pilgrim, I was in a, and I still am in some ways at a time where I was really trying to listen to the Lord about what do you want me to do with the company I have built? What do you want me to do with my writing career? How would you be glorified in this? Because just getting bigger isn't always the right answer. Just doing more isn't always the right answer. And then sometimes life brings you unexpected things like broken relationships or a church issue or a leadership issue or oh my goodness, I don't know how to hire people in the community that I'm in because there's not enough folks who are aligned of heart. All these things, I'm just keeping it as vague and as general as possible. But you understand, our listeners understand that sometimes you walk through a season where your church goes through something really hard and suddenly reliability in the teaching of scriptures and leadership and community is not there. And we experience some of that. And so when I was beginning Pilgrim, I literally was like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing in my Pilgrim journey. I don't know where I'm going. I, I thought I was going straight here to this destination, but right now I kind of feel like I'm wandering around and it doesn't feel like I'm getting where I want to go. And I actually feel a little alone on this path. And in the same way that if you read Grace Laced, my very first section of Grace Laced is about resting in God's character. I knew that at the end of the day, no matter what, the, we keep looking for signposts or some kind of mile marker that tells us this is where you should be in life, or this is how you can get where you're wanting to go, or make sure you put on your four wheel drive tires to nail it on this next stretch of land. Like we always want these signs, but the truth is on our entire pilgrim journey, and I call it a pilgrim journey because we're not home. This is not our true home. We are wandering. We're, 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 we're passing through a foreign land that's not meant to be our true home. That's why I called it Pilgrim. But the actual thing that God's calling us to in every circumstance, and even in my season of feeling like everything was falling apart and everything was hard, that he wanted me to know his character more than just the way to get to where I want to go. I think about you know the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Was it really about getting through the Red Sea or was it really being in awe of God and his faithfulness and his power? And at the end of the day, that was a display of God's provision and power. Not so much, oh, see, here you go. You got to the other side. Now what? And so I just bring that up to say, I think I saw over and over and over again in scripture that God's character is on display when we're trying to navigate difficult and hard paths on our journeys, our pilgrim journeys. And so that's really where the book started. What are some of the characteristics of God that you learned the most about or clung to the most during mm -hmm. that season? Well, for sure, God's sovereignty. I think that it's hard to separate God's attributes, right? Because I mean, if, if he's not a loving God, he's not a merciful God. If he's not a merciful God, then all the things that he does doesn't even make sense, right? So they all connect. But when I think about God's sovereignty, all these other things come to mind about his omnipresence, 
and his omnipotence, meaning he's all powerful or he's all knowing his omniscience. All those things come together when I think about the fact that God is in control of all things, Ruth. He holds all things together, Colossians 1.17. That at the end of the day, all these things that I'm trying to figure out in a day's time so that I don't suffer, I, my family doesn't hurt, we don't, you know, not have community, we're not lonely, like all the things that we don't want, we want to avoid and we want to make it good. It's not that we don't look for those solutions, but at the end of the day, what he's trying to show us in every circumstance and every unexpected turn is that he wants us to know him as all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, and that we are not in control. So I think that's the biggie, right? The over-encompassing is that he's sovereign and that he's faithful, right? Those two work in conjunction. It's just not just that he knows all things and he's in control, but that he's faithful and good. So you see how like once we begin this conversation, it leads to way more than 25 of God's ways in this book, right? It leads to so many more because suddenly you realize, oh, he's not just all-knowing. He also knows what's good for me. And not only is he good, he's also faithful and follows through. He can't lie. He can't give bad gifts. He is faithful. So he will actually come through. He is a provider. So you suddenly realize, oh, everything I don't like about the season I'm in or the things I don't know how to resolve on my path and my road that I'm on, that doesn't seem nearly as scary when I start knowing who to trust as I'm walking that road. Mm -hmm. Totally. That that actually reminds me many years ago, I got like a certified letter, like somebody came to my door and, and had a certified letter. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I never got one of those. And I opened it up and apparently I'd gotten a bad test result at the doctor. And so I needed to go in for a cancer screening. And um, my mom passed away when I was nine months old and I had little kids at that point in time. So it was always like this mile marker for me that, you know, wow. when my kids were around nine months old, was something going to happen to me, which is totally illogical but was just how my brain worked. Right. And I remember, you know, going in for the test and then there was this gap of like three days before I got the result. And I was like, it's the 2000s. Why does this take so long? And just feeling so overwhelmed and processing a lot of things. And it was definitely a journey for me. And I just specifically remember getting to the point where I, you know, I was like clinging so hard to wanting to not have anything wrong with me to be there for my kids and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and God really just taking me to the point where I was just like, God, whatever brings you the most glory and others, the most good is what mm -hmm. I want. And it just not because of anything in me, but just came from a place of knowing his character, knowing that if I could let go and just trust that, mm -hmm. that was what was going to be best for my kids. That was what was going to be yeah. best for everybody. And there's just so much freedom in the free fall of trusting in his character and yes. in who he is. And I refer that back to that so many times in my life when I feel fearful and I'm like, okay, so whatever yeah. brings you the most glory. So good. Well, Kat, I was also going to just say, I mean, I love that you yeah. shared that, but as you were speaking, I was thinking about how a lot of us, we're, we're, we're like suddenly thrust into a circumstance where we have to suddenly be like, what do I believe about God? And a lot of times that actually has to happen. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're brought into a total unknown and suddenly you go, wow, if I didn't know he was real, then I do know now or something like that. But I also know that, you know, sometimes my husband, Troy, will like say, likes to say to me, let's prepare our hearts for the suffering that we don't know yet. Let's like know now 
what we need to know about God when things get really hard. And so I think about the heart behind this devotional is kind of, and, and honestly, in some ways, it's just the heart behind my entire ministry and why I write is I think a lot of times we wait too long to discover how faithful God is. And it's not that he doesn't reveal himself to us or cause us to know him when we haven't you know, faithfully try to understand who he is. He, he's still faithful, right? When you're like, Oh, now I know. But if we're, if there's a tugging on our hearts, if we know like, huh, I've been kind of staying away. I don't feel near to the Lord. Why not start today? Why not start discovering now why he's faithful, why he's trustworthy, why he's good, why he's in control? Why not start today so that when, if and when suffering should come or if and when things that you don't expect happens in your story that you've already prepared your heart because you know who you belong to. Like you don't have to suddenly be like, okay, let's take an inventory and assess all things. Do I belong to Jesus or do I belong? No, you can like, you already know that. And so that's really the heart here is I, I was hearing what you were saying going, isn't God faithful that he meets you right there. But I also know you and know that he met you long before you mm -hmm. got that certified mail as well. So how do we get super practical there and say somebody's listening and they're like, yes, I am in a place where I don't have that suffering, but I want to be prepared for it. What does that yeah. look like? What do, what, do, what, what do I do? Well, I think we are multi-sensory beings for a reason. Like God actually created us to see and smell and feel. So I don't think the answer is always go straight to the Bible and read all the time. You need to read God's word but in conjunction with hearing the truth, hearing music and hymns that uh, confirm what you're reading, going on a walk so that your eyes can take a break from the cell phone that you're, you're like tracking with all day long and to be in awe of him. But the most practical and the fundamental like place we have to start is I don't think I would be where I am today writing about this and saying, Hey listeners, this has changed my life to know the character of God. I don't think I'd be here if I didn't learn and realize that when I go to God's word, I'm not just trying to find simply directions for how to do the next thing, but I'm trying to understand his heart. So when you open your Bible and I'm assuming that some of our listeners are going to be just like you and me, and I'm going to just go first and confess that sometimes I feel like I don't get anything out of my Bible reading. Sometimes I open my Bible and I go, can I just skip this part? Or I don't know why I'm here. Or can I just, read something that'll change my life today. But the reality is when we go to the word, every page, even the stuff that's hard, even the genealogies will eventually build and turn into a full picture of the story of redemption, the full picture of God's love for us. And so on a very practical level, I would encourage you that whoever's listening, if you haven't felt very connected in your time with the word, start with a Psalm and ask yourself, what do I know about God? When the psalmist is writing these words in song form, it's the songbook from the Bible, right? If you go to the Psalms, what a, just jot down, what do I know about God? Now start looking for that attribute in other places that you're reading. How do I see that same attribute of God when I read Philippians? How do I see the same attribute of God when I start in Genesis and Exodus? You'll start seeing the thread that connects. So just on a practical level, I would say engage that way. And then don't make it academic. Like, Go and be in awe of things that you have nothing to do with, like a sunrise or a sunset. Go on a walk. Go notice some flowers today. 
because that'll show you so much more about who God is than you even realize. Mm -hmm. I love that reminder to notice the flowers. One thing that I always notice whenever I play with children, which I don't do very much now because I'm like, kids are grown. <laughs> but whenever I do, it's sort of it's like in a movie, things suddenly zoom in. And if when you're playing with the baby, sure. suddenly the world gets so small and you notice the tiniest details. And, you know, in our adult lives, we're so busy and we don't often stop to think to notice the small and intricate and beautiful things that God has created. Uh, one thing that I really like about your book is that it's a book and yet somehow it's multi-sensory. Like because you have so many hymns woven into it, there's this soundtrack playing in my mind as I'm reading the words. But then out of the corner of my eye, I see this beautiful landscape of, you know, various places and, and it it sort of enveloped me a little bit. And and I loved I love um, that. And I love well, I love how you said that God created us multi-sensory and how you really incorporated that into into the book. And, and I have to say, one of the highest compliments I can give the book is that it reminds me of my grandmother. She loved hymns. She always had paintings, like beautiful paintings up in her home was just so elegant. And she was so elegant. And then just as a grandmother who has lived life, there was just a richness and depth to her. And well, um, I received that because I, my well, goal good. always is that I might create something that feels timeless that feels yes. like something that could outlast me. And so mm -hmm. I, I love that, that mm -hmm. I will receive that very much. Well, I, I really enjoy that. I'm, I'm so curious though, how did you pick, I mean, there's a lot of hymns out there. There's a lot of I great hymns. How I did you some, narrow I left them some down? out too. You know, it's hard. Um, I, de I definitely did not get all the hymns that I could have possibly written about in this book. You know, there are lots of books out there that tell the stories behind hymns. There are a lot of hymn books. And I knew that this book was technically not a hymn book. The goal was not to say, this is the story behind this hymn, or this hymn was written at this, like that wasn't the actual goal. The goal was to have certain lyrics that we may have forgotten, or certain lyrics that we may not even know yet, to become something that is lodged in the back of our minds so that when we're forgetful, we actually can hum and remember that somebody else long before us struggled with this same part of their journey and they were able to recount how God is faithful through this lyric. So for me, when I think of, oh my goodness, so many lyrics, but I think of, you know, rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. you know, I mean, there's, it's mirroring scripture out of Exodus, but when I sing that, because it's such a familiar hymn, I know that when I'm walking through a day where I feel like, let's say shame or guilt. I feel like I'm condemning myself. And I think that God probably doesn't, you know, I can't come into his presence. I remember that he is the actual rock that I can like stuff myself into so that I am hidden in the worthiness of Christ. And I don't have to be perfect enough to come into his presence because that's what happened, right? Like the glory of God passed by and Moses was stuffed into the, the cleft of the rock so that he, he can, he can experience God's glory even as a sinful man. But that's what the blood of Christ ultimately did for us. So this is literally what's wrapped up in my mind when I sing those lyrics. So they're not full hymns penned in this book. I just pull out certain hymns that teach the very, not just teach, but like help us remember the very, attribute of God or that, that part of God's character that I really hope we remember day by day. 
I love it so much. You know, one thing that I often relate to you in, although I think you handle it way better than I do, apparently both of our husbands like like steep cliffy drives. <laughs> and True. you know, so our yes. family we as our kids were younger, we had a goal to hit the lower 48 and over the course of all of our family vacations so and fun. every single family vacation, we would end up going on some sort of horribly cliffy, scary drive and <laughs> While for me, sports tend to be kind of a microcosm of life, you know, I feel like I learned so much in the course of one athletic event. The same is true of those drives. Like there's the anticipation of, okay, we're going to go to Cliffy Drive. I think I'm ready. And then we're up there. And then I look over the edge. I'm like, we could sneeze. If we sneeze, we're gone. It's over, <laughs> you know, and, and just all the emotions that I go through during that process. And then there's a beautiful vista. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it was worth it. Right. And so I'm just That's how curious, I feel every time. like... Okay, yeah. Is, is Are you like, I've got this. I'm like so confident and not scared at all. Are you afraid of heights? How does, and then if you are afraid, how does God meet you in that process? Yeah. Well, it's a pastime that's been 25 years in the making. And so, you know, like I remember the earliest days of my marriage and going, why do we do this on weekends? <laughs> and we started early in marriage in Colorado and then we were for some time only vacationing near mountains. And then now we are back in mountains where every weekend is off cellular and on the cliff sides of mountains, right? It's, it's a lot, a lot of that. And I am afraid and I do. So first of all, just as a disclaimer for anyone listening, I don't think everybody's qualified to drive on a cliff. Like, I don't think that's like anyone should do it and be like, we trust the Lord. I want to see the Vista. I mean, if you're not a good driver, please don't do it. You know, like I think <laughs> my husband and probably your husband has, has had experience and he knows the equipment. He knows his car. He knows the kind of tires. He knows what he needs to do. We air down tires when we go four wheeling. Like there's a lot of things that we do to make it safe. So first of all, we're not being dumb about it. But I think the thing that I, as a metaphor, I think the thing that I notice over and over again is that when you fixate on what's scary, you end up going towards what's scary. So like when Troy's driving, he's not going to look at the side of the cliff. He's looking at the road that he's on. He's looking at the destination. He's like, that's where we're going. See that peak up there? That's where we're going. And we keep our eyes on. It's worth it. It's worth it. We're going to go. And we take that one little step at a time, that little drive a little bit at a time. We're not spending all our time going, oh my goodness, look what could happen. Look what could happen over and over again. If I do that, then I just get out of the car and I stop, you know, I won't want to go anymore. And so for the most part, I mean, I think ultimately this could, this analogy could break down, but my point in sharing that is to ultimately say, I think the way God has shown me through this particular thing that my family enjoys doing is that just like you said, the destination is worth it, but you have to enjoy the journeying too. You have to enjoy the part where you're like, Hey, look around, look at all that's rewarding about even right now, not the scary parts, but look up, like look up at, and the thing that I love about it is that I'm going places and seeing things that maybe not everybody will take the time to see. We're so, we're so good about spending all our time living through somebody else's images. But when you take the time to go on a hike or you take the time to go on a drive, a lot of times you're letting yourself experience firsthand something that requires slowing down to enjoy and experience. So it is always worth it. I do think that the Lord meets me there, but I can't fixate on what I don't like about it. Yeah. And I think it's also good for us to do things, well, not necessarily things that 
physically scare us. I'm not saying that in general, but just right. in our lives, doing things that are not comfortable, doing things yes. that are scary, whether that is interviewing somebody on a podcast, whether that is signing up for a local race or a local tournament, mm -hmm. uh, there is a place of growth and a place of finding our hope in Jesus and our identity in Jesus when we put ourselves out there and when we do scary things. And, yeah. and you know, I used the word microcosm earlier, but really it's like a, a mini journey. You know, if, yeah. if I'm mm -hmm. playing in a tournament and I'm like terrified, I'm going to get destroyed. Or even in the middle of a match, if I'm feeling the highs and lows of playing poorly and then trying to overcome my fears, you know, I really feel like God meets me in those small places. And for whatever it is that, you know, you as a listener experience, whether that's, you know, volunteering at church and you don't really know what to do with high school kids or yeah. whatever it might be, all these little mini journeys where we can trust in him and learn more about his character. I think it's a powerful thing yeah. to do. And I think it's not just, it's it's doing scary things, but sometimes it's also doing inconvenient things because mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not convenient to learn a new skill. It is not convenient to take all day and do something that is not going to get you further ahead. Like I, I could use my Saturday and rearrange all my pantries and everything would feel very efficient. But sometimes I drop the laundry and drop the organization and go do these things with my family because it enlarges our hearts and our affections, even if we're not mm -hmm. getting more done, right? Air quotes, yes. more done. And so that's that brings you know us into a bigger conversation than even like rest and Sabbathing. It's also about like, how are we cultivating an ability to recognize that God's in the process and in the like journeying with us and not just in getting us where we're supposed to go. We keep thinking that it's about arriving. Like, oh, I was on a bumpy road and now I'm not. But really the bumpy road and the learning a new skill, you mentioned volunteering at church. That may be a scary thing and also may be an inconvenient thing. It may be that you don't know how to teach kids and you're learning. It may be that you are running a marathon and you've never run before. And it's inconvenient to take the time to like work up to, you know, what is it? The couch to 5k or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that you're like learning to go from, I haven't ever run to now I have a discipline of running. That could be our prayer life. That could be reading your Bible. Those, those are all things that in some ways you could say, Lord, could you just get me to the place where I know your word and I'm strong, but it might mean that you have to like work through not understanding his word and studying it and building up to reading more than five minutes a day. All those things take time. Mm -hmm. The habits and rhythms of just, you know, saying, God, I'm in this place and I want you with me. I want to be with you in this journey and I want it to yeah. be an opportunity to know you more because in all those journeys with my family, it's created this special bond with us, you know, just these places we've been in, these experiences we've had, and same in our journey with the Lord, that as we go through these hard things or easy things or joyful things, if we're walking with him, we really deepen that relationship with him. I'm curious, as I was looking through the different paintings in the book, are they places that you've been, places you've imagined? Um, yeah, most of that. them are my inspo sources are photographs from my outings with the family. So I would say you, you only see a couple of ocean scenes, 
because I don't live by the ocean and, and that's not my primary inspiration. I'd be fascinated to do an entire book on prairies, but I don't live by a prairie. You know, I live a lot of mountains. And so there's a lot of mountainscapes. I refer to a lot of mountain journeys and windy journeys, rivers in canyons. I refer to a lot of that. I even have a chapter. It was a, it was a really interesting book because I wanted everything to have not really a transportation theme, but like a journey theme, right? So there's even a story about navigating London streets. And I actually painted a little bit of like a London scene. And that's not normal for me, but I wanted it just to tie in. I don't think of my artwork as being like actually illustrative in the sense that I'm not trying to paint, you know, like a picture book that illustrates the story as much as I wanted to come alongside and just cause us to slow down and to kind of have multiple points at which we can reflect and mm -hmm. be kind of introspective about what we're reading. And so that's the purpose of a lot of that. But you're, you're right. Most of it comes out of my actual experiences. Well, I enjoyed looking through this and I think it, it, it does what you're wanting it to do because there's not so much detail that I'm like, oh, that's exactly what it looks like. And there it is there's enough detail that it just sort of opens the imagination to imagine all the little people walking or whatever the mm -hmm. scene might be. What is ultimately the thing that you want someone to walk away with when they read this book? Yeah. I think the number one thing I want someone to know is that their journey is purposeful and they don't walk alone. I think mm -hmm. that's the number one thing is that I, I think we live in a generation and a culture that's so independent that we think we're the ones who are forging our paths. We think like the destiny, the path we're on, the trajectory we're on is all dependent on whether I get the next step right, whether I navigate my career right. And all those things at some level are true in that we're not going to get anywhere if we sit in bed all day. Like it's true. We have to steward our day today. We have to pick up our kids from school or whatever it is that we have to do next but we're missing the point if we journey thinking that it's all up to us, that we're doing this alone, and that purpose only comes from what we achieve. I want every believer and anyone who is new to the faith to recognize that God designed this journey, the one you're on right now, exactly for you, and that he is going with you on that journey. So good. So good. Where can people find you online and where can they get a copy of the book? Yeah, you can learn all about my books and where I'll be speaking at ruthjosimons.com. That's R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S.com. And I would love to connect with you on social. You can find me by that same name in, on Instagram. And if you're interested in my artwork, you can find all, all sorts of things over at graceliced.com. Awesome. Ruth, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. So good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I hope that was encouraging to you. I know that I love the grace-filled and peaceful way that Ruth communicates. I will share the links to her website, her Instagram, her book, and all the things in the show notes. Now, don't forget, if you want to build your own morning routine, head over to hellomornings.org and download our three-minute morning kit. It's going to give you everything that you need to get started. Now, my name is Kat Lee, and I'm just so thankful that you joined us today. I hope that we've inspired you to start waking up for your life and not just to your life. I'll see you on the next episode of the Hello Mornings podcast. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet.
aside this time for you I bow before the throne of a noble king And in this place my heart begins to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with his grace His grace and sweet This song is called God Day by Jen Stanbro. You can get your copy at iTunes, Amazon, or jenstanbro.com. <laughs> 